Amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to begin studying that in just a second. Before we read it, though, uh, I found this quote this week, I think just speaks uh, volumes of what you're going to encounter in the, in the book of Matthew uh, chapter 6. This is a tough book. If you thought the Beatitudes were difficult, if you thought chapter 5 was hard, I want you to hear what D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says about chapter 6. I love this quote. He says, I sometimes think that, that this, or, or it, is one of the most uncomfortable chapters to read in the entire scriptures. He's talking about chapter 6. He says, it, it probes and, and examines and holds a mirror up before us, and it will not allow us to escape. That's what, you're, that, that's what we're jumping into with both feet. Everybody ready for an adventure? Both feet into that. You're like, I would have done better without the warning, Pastor. It's okay. You need the warning. It's still going to be worth it, okay? Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 1. We're just going to read four verses this morning. Jesus says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward, no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He will reward you. Four things I want to share with you. This morning, you see, Jesus is beginning this new section of scripture uh, that Christianity is below the surface. Um, it's what we're labeling. He's beginning this new section of scripture in Matthew chapter six, and, and he's going to start with the pillars of Judaism. All right. So he's been talking about these scribes and these Pharisees. He said, listen, they're missing it. They're not getting it. They're adding all these laws, all these regulations. They've they've really lowered the command of God. Here's what God's law says. And and then he says, and and, and you know what? Let me show you. And he's going to turn now to their practice. He's going to turn now to the very root of who they are as people. And he's going to show us that they're wrong. And in the process of showing us that they're wrong, friends, I fear that he might show us that we too might be wrong in one or two or all of these areas. All right? Four things I want to share with you about giving this morning as we begin with the the three pillars. It's almsgiving and prayer and fasting. So we're going to talk about almsgiving first. We're going to use these principles to stretch beyond just uh, giving to the poor, but but just in all of our giving in general. Uh, And four principles for you this morning. Number one, I want you to see that real giving must be purposeful giving. Real giving must be purposeful giving uh, Jesus begins talking about, about this giving and, and praying and fasting. And, and what he says is really important. The first thing that he teaches us is, is that when we give, it must be with purpose. You might put it this way, that real giving always has right motivation. Real giving always has might ro- right motivation. There are really two motivations for giving found in this passage. Uh, and, and, and so the first, you might label and say, well, the first type of motivation for giving would be giving uh, for, for others' benefit. And I'm not talking about for the needy people, but I'm talking about that we would give so that people would see us give. That's the first motivation, because we want the praise and the honor and the glory of men, Jesus says. And he says, listen, if you give that way, that's fine to give that way. However, a couple of things. Number one, you can't give that way and give that way in the name of God. Because that's hypocrisy. Because you're not actually giving it for God, follow me, you're actually giving it for the praise of men. So, so that's fine if you want to give for the praise of men to the needy, the, the people still need it, right? It, it, it's going to benefit them, but follow me, that's not in the name of God. If you claim it's in the name of God, you're a hypocrite. So he starts there, okay? 
And then the second thing he says is, listen, if, and if you're giving that way, if you're giving for the praise of other people, not only are you going to receive your reward in full, but, but this is what I really like. He, he says, listen, that's not really about them at all. It's really about you, isn't it? He says, it's really about you. That's just self-gratification. If we're giving to people in need so that other people will see our generosity and pat us on the back and tell us what great people we are, then really all we're doing, all we're doing is giving and serving so that people will think we're better people. So really, that's not about giving at all. And that's what Jesus says in verse 2. He says, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Jesus says that's not giving at all. That's receiving. That's receiving. So the first motivation for giving, I would tell you, is false motivation. <laughs> if, if you're giving so that you can feel better about yourself, hear me. That, 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 that Jesus will tell you that's okay. People will be blessed by the money you give them, I'm sure. But you're not really giving. Don't think that you're giving. <laughs> you're just making yourself feel better. That brings us to the second motivation for giving. And friends, there's only one. Second motivation for giving, this isn't the second point. Second motivation for giving found in this, in this and, and that's, that's giving with purpose. Giving with purpose. And you say, wait a second, what do you mean giving with purpose, Pastor? I mean giving for the glory of God. And you say, well, wait a second, we don't talk about that kind of giving a whole lot. We talk about giving to the needs of the church, or, or giving to the needs of the community, or giving to the needs of, of those that you know, need groceries. We do that here. And, and, and giving to those people that need help with their light bills. We do that kind of stuff, right? But, but that, I'm talking about giving for the glory of God. You say, well, where do we find that? Well, guys, we find that in the gospel. In the gospel. What is the gospel? Have you, have you thought about that recently? We use that term a lot. We say, well, it's the gospel. It's the gospel truth. Well, what is the gospel? Here's the gospel, friend. Ready? The gospel is that God made everything that we see and everything that we don't see, including you and me. That he made man in his image and that he made man to be with him. That's the gospel, right? That's the beginning of the gospel story. But we rejected God. That's also in the gospel. And we rejected God because in our hearts... In our hearts, we wanted his rightful place. And, and, and so we rebelled against a holy and just God. That's part of the gospel. And as such, the Bible says that we were actually enemies of God and object of God's wrath. That's part of the gospel. We all think the gospel is Jesus loves you. No, the gospel is that we're enemies of God. And we've rebelled against God. That's a huge part of the gospel. And get this, it, it, it's not something that's easily fixed and so for it to be fixed, for, for rebels to be reunited with God, something God-sized had to happen. And so Jesus, who is fully God, through whom all things were made, without, nothing, uh, without Him nothing was made that has been made, Jesus, who's fully God, equally God, who was there for eternity and, and, and spoke glorious things into creation, this Jesus stepped out of divinity and into humanity. And God became flesh. It's called the incarnation. It's a huge part of the gospel. And, and God became flesh. And He lived and He walked and He breathed amongst us. And you say, well, why is that important? It's important what God did there in the flesh. You see, Jesus came to give. That's His whole life. What was His mission? His mission was to give up of Himself. To live the perfect life that we couldn't so that we could be made right with God. And through His death and, and through our faith in His death that we could be made right with God. That's the gospel. Jesus came to reconcile sinners to God. This is love while we're still sinners. Christ died for us. That is the glorious gospel news of Jesus Christ. It's good news. And here's the deal. The reason why the only type of real giving 
is godly giving, giving that's done for the glory of God, is because it is the very example of what Jesus has done for us. He gave all. He gave all. And we've received all. And so friend, if you want to be a giver, I just want to tell you, that's great. I pray that you are. I pray that you're a generous giver. But the only real type of giving is the giving that's done for the glory of God. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. He gave all he had for the glory of God. And so we begin there. We we begin there. Real giving is purposeful giving. Anything else doesn't count. Number two, I want to tell you this morning that real giving is righteous giving. Real giving is righteous giving. Verse 2 and 3, it says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And so he begins by, again, listen, there's, there's two types of giving. There's real giving and there's false giving. And there's righteous giving and there's self-righteous giving. And this is what he says about the men that are doing the self-righteous giving. He uses a very strong word. He says, these men that announce what they do for, for those in need, they're hypocrites. And why are they hypocrites? That means they're self-righteous. He says, they're not right with God. They're just right with themselves. They're giving in the name of God, but they're giving for the attention of men. And that's not right giving. That's not right giving. That's hypocrisy, he says. And he goes on and he has this little phrase. Listen, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And that doesn't really make a lot of sense for some people. But it's pretty straightforward. Listen, friends, not only are we not to tell others about our giving, the truth of Scripture is that on some level we shouldn't even tell ourselves what we get. You follow me? On some level, we shouldn't even tell ourselves. I want to show you how subtle sin can be. You see, once we allow ourselves to to think about what we give, once we start to think about what we give to others, the very moment we do that, we start to think about what we give to others. The very moment that we become self-conscious, we open the door for the enemy to come in. And the moment we start to think on it, once that happens, it's just a simple progression from that to go from self-consciousness into self-righteousness. See, we start to keep an account, say, well, listen, man, I, I, I've given, last month, I gave 11% to, to, to God. 11%, man, that is a full percentage higher than the tithe. Pretty good, Right? We say, say, listen, we see the guy that, that's on the bridge, right? And, and he, he's holding up a sign in 103 degree weather. And we convince ourselves, no, 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 that guy's a millionaire. I mean, he's got a really big house somewhere, right? He's standing in shabby clothes on a bridge in 103 degree weather. And he doesn't even have an umbrella or water to drink. I gave to one of those people last week. It's okay. I, I checked my resume. I'm good, right? I'm good. Your neighbor, maybe she falls and, and she needs help. And what do you say? Well, listen, it's kind of the middle of the night. And, and by the way, didn't we just help a neighbor like last month? We did. Helping your neighbor, isn't that a quarterly activity? We don't need to do that all the time. And I'm, surely that's not what Jesus meant. And you see, slowly but surely, when we start and we become self-conscious of what we've given, we become self-righteous in the way that we're living. And so I want you to write this down. This is just a little thing that'll help you hopefully remember that self-conscious giving can lead to self-righteous living. 
It's so easy. Sin is that subtle, I tell you. It can become about how good we are, about how kind we are. And, you know, here's the sad part. We can even use it to explain what we do with the rest of our money. About how we spend it on frivolous pursuits, can't we? Well, listen, man, I'm a tither. So who cares if I spend half my income on other stuff that doesn't matter, right? I mean, that's okay. The lottery, you know, I'm, I'm going to play that sucker. I'm going to spend all, you know, listen, if you play the lottery, that's, play the lottery. Just don't spend your life savings playing the lottery, right? And when you win, hey, come see us. Just saying. I'm not, I wouldn't personally invest that way. That's not how I, I choose to invest. But if that's how you invest, whatever. That's not real giving. Real giving is righteous giving. It's not self-righteous giving. Okay, number three. Uh, I want you to see this morning that real giving is far-sighted. And I'll just be honest with you. I don't try to have like favorite parts of the sermon, but I really, really, um, man, when the Lord uh, opened up my heart to this and opened up my eyes to this this week, I was just, I was just astounded. Um, real giving is, is far-sighted. Look at verse 4. It says, uh, so that your giving may be done, uh, be in secret. Get this. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Your Father will reward you. It's talking about a, a, a far-off reward. And, and I just want you to see this. Uh, again, two types of giving. There's false giving and there's real giving. False giving is all about fast reward, okay? Guys, false giving is all about fast reward. It's about instant gratification. I'm going to give so that people will see me give and instantly they're going to praise me for how good I am. That's false giving. And, and, and the Bible says you'll receive that reward. You'll get the attaboy. You'll get the pat on the back. And guys, I'm not just talking about money. You know, I, I talked to our men yesterday at the men's breakfast. I said, you know, guys, we are so guilty of this as husbands, aren't we? Men, we are so, our wives are silent givers. Man, they are silent servants. Like, we come home, they've been working their tails off all day long. You know, I mean, they, they, they've been working hard. There's dinner. There's, I mean, all, and, and, and they're never going, hey, did you notice that I chopped up all the vegetables? Right? Did you see that? Hey, did you see that I folded two things of laundry and put them away while you were gone? Like our wives never do that. Our wives are so silent in their service. But men, how are we? Not so much, right? Man, if she's ever gone and we ever do anything in the house, it's like we want to make a big sign and, and put it up with like big sparkles. Woohoo! I swept the floor. I didn't really know how to use a broom. But I looked it up on YouTube and it wasn't that hard. Just a little bit this way, a little bit that way. And then you put it in a pan. It was, it was amazing, right? Honey, guess what? I cooked for the boys tonight. I mean, it was the most difficult thing ever. There was this stuff called Chef Boyardee. And I had to find this thing called a can opener. But evidently, you can even heat it up in the microwave. And they ate it and they went to bed. Can you imagine that? I'm so good. I'm glorious. Oh, and did you see I mowed the yard? Like, that's us men. Come on. I'm, I'm the only man that does this, right? Liars. You are a bunch of liars. It's Father's Day. You should speak the truth. We're not so good. So listen, it's not just about money. If, if you're in it for the immediate reward, that's false giving. But there's another type. There's real giving. And real giving is all about the long-term investment. So real giving, you've got to be far-sighted. I want to tell you what I mean. Man, turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. The book of Hebrews chapter 11, um, great chapter of scripture. We call it the hall of fame of faith. Um, and, and Hebrews 11, it defines what faith is. And then it goes on to talk about great men and, and women 
um, in the faith. And, and I just want to show you something here in a second about this long term. And, and, and here's the deal. As you turn there, I'm going to tell you, in a few weeks, we're going to hit Matthew 6, 19 through 34. And it's all going to be about real treasure. And this is how these two things tie together. In Matthew 6, 19 through 34, you're going to will, learn what real treasure is. And the whole point of that passage of Scripture is that we need to spend our lives investing in eternal things. That we have to spend our lives being consumed with investing uh, or giving to eternal causes, all right? And so just think of that as our background and think about these people that were doing that. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to start in verse 8 as we read about Abraham. Uh, it says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. But by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. And he, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Get this verse 10. For he was looking forward. Underline that. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. Man, Abraham was farsighted. Now, now let, let's read some more about these great men and women of faith, starting in verse 13. It says, all these people... It's talking about all these, all these people were still living by faith when they died. Get this, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. These men and women of faith, where we get our hall of fame of faith, they only welcomed them from a distance. They were far-sighted. Listen to me about Noah, verse 24, or Moses, verse 24. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than treasures of Egypt. Get this, because he was looking ahead to his reward. He was looking ahead. Guys, real giving is that way. Real giving is far-sighted. Real giving is about eternal investments. Real giving is about saying, listen, it's not about what I need right now. It's not even about what people need right now. I'm going to invest in the things that will last forever. Things that will last forever. You know, I couldn't help this week as we studied these passages to think about the providence of God. That long before we ever even uh, it, it entered into conversations about the, the, the continued need for our church to start thinking long term about looking at land for so who would FBC be in 100 years or in 150 years. And we didn't know we were going to have those conversations. I'm, I'm looking at Paul Mertz right now. I'm looking at Tom. We didn't even we, we, we had already started series and we didn't even know what God had in store. And, and so we, we go before the church and we start talking about these big things about about this. Listen, we feel like God's calling the church. At some point, far off in the future, we think he's calling us to, to, to purchase land. So one day, uh, you know, a hundred years from now, First Baptist Church is still going to be a church of influence in the community of Elgin, winning souls for, for, for Christ's sake. And, and that somehow you and I get this cool opportunity to invest in something that we won't even necessarily get to be a part of. I was thinking through that and I thought, God, Lord, that's, that's, that's being farsighted, isn't it? And how, how cool is the providence of God that while we're spending a month fasting and praying about this stuff, we're talking about real giving, real fasting, and real praying. <laughs> God is good. God is good. All right? I want you to understand, guys, real giving is far-sighted giving. That brings us to the last thing this morning. I want you to understand this morning that real giving requires a short-term memory. 
Real giving requires a short-term memory. Back to that verse that says, listen, you can't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And, and, and again, we've kind of already covered some of that. It, we, we don't want to do that because we have this tendency to build up a spiritual resume. We have a tendency to keep spiritual records. God, I'm such a good giver. God, I'm, I'm, I'm such a good person. God, look at all that I've, I've done. And the Bible says, listen, real giving can't be that way. If you want to be a true giver, you can't keep records of what you've given. And I think the best example of that for us is, is, is the Apostle Paul. And so turn with me to Galatians, or I mean Philippians chapter 3. Um, Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 13. Uh, if you're looking for it, go Galatians, Ephesians, then Philippians. Colossians is afterwards. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. And, and Paul is writing and he says, listen... Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and, and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward and Christ Jesus. And I want you to see two things about Paul. One thing about Paul is that he's farsighted. He says, I press on towards the goal. Paul was always consumed with the goal. He was always consumed with, with, with the farsighted goal of serving Jesus and giving Jesus everything. That's the first thing I want you to see. The second thing I want you to see was in order to be a farsighted giver, that Paul, and Paul was a giver, he gave up everything he had, folks, so that the gospel might make it to the nations. To be that kind of person, Paul also had to, had to have a little bit of spiritual amnesia. He had, he had to forget what he had done. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me. Now, now, Christians, don't take this out of context. Today we say this passage and we quote it, and we quote it in reference to all our sin and all our struggles. We quote this passage in reference to just our shame. Well, I've got to forget what was behind me. I've got to forget my mistakes. I've got to press on towards the goal. Hear me, that's only half the story. You do have to forget your sin, and you do have to forget your shame, and you do have to take up the cross and carry it daily. You've got to do all those things, but that's only half the story. And if you only get half the story, you're going to be ineffective and unproductive. The other half the story is that Paul was used mightily by God. The other half the story is that Paul was used to write half the New Testament. The other half of the story is that Paul founded numerous churches. The other half of the story is that Paul preached boldly in places that nobody would preach boldly and that thousands were won to Christ. That's the other half of the story. And Paul's not just saying, listen, you've got to forget the bad stuff in life. He said, I'm telling you, you've also got to forget all the successes you've had in life. You've got to forget all the spiritual successes on your resume. You can't look back and say, oh, I remember the time that I shared the gospel with this guy and he was saved. Or I remember the time that we were in this country and a hundred people got saved at one time. Or, oh, I remember the time that our church was used mightily in our community to do this thing. You can't look backwards. That's not real giving. You want to know what real giving is? Real giving is forgetting what you gave yesterday. And asking God, God, what can I give today? God, how can I serve today? God, what can I do today? That's real giving. Real giving doesn't look back at what you did. Real giving always asks, what can I do? What can I do? That's the heart of real giving. That's what it's about. And that's what we learn. Now guys, I'm going to be honest with you. This flies in the face of who we are as a culture and a people. We are stingy, stingy people. Can I testify to how stingy your pastor can be? All right? Now listen, I'm going to testify. Travis is probably ducking because he knows this story is about him. Now people in our small group know how stingy I can be. Uh, I've told them. Now listen, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pull over and give a guy 
I'll, I'll give a guy, you know, shirt off my back. I actually did that once. I gave a guy a shirt, didn't have a shirt. Uh, you know, I, we, we can do those kind of things. That's fine. Um, you know, I, I, if I have any cash, I don't rarely carry cash, but I'll give you whatever. You know, if I'm eating something and you stop, I, I mean, I don't have a problem here. You can have my hamburger. That's fine. You can have, that, that's fine. Okay. But, but in the same sense, that's only every once in a while. I'm just like you. I can be selfish. I can be stingy. Okay. So uh, last summer, last summer, Travis and I are running. We became running buddies. I love Travis, but I hate running. I'm just going to be honest. It is, and in the summer of all things, like, like, hey, let, I got a great idea. Let's run when it's a thousand degrees outside. Let's just go on on to the surface of Mars. I, I don't know. Let's 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 just go run someplace that's blazing hot. Um, so so anyway, we uh we're running, and I'm on a diet while we're running. Now he's not on a diet, but I'm on a diet while we're running because I'd gotten a little large. I'd gotten a little big. I'd, I'd put on a few pounds. So we're running, and I'm on this diet kind of thing. And on this diet I'm on, I can eat anything uh, that is fruit or vegetables, and it doesn't, it didn't count against my diet at all. And so I was pounding fruit like it was going out of style. So much so that my wife is like, listen, you got to slow it. I'm not going to the store again. And so we had just had this conversation in the house. She said, listen, that's all the fruit there is. I'm not going back. So I had like two bananas left. I, that's it, and we're running, and I'm like, no, so we get back, and Travis, and you have to know Travis, he is like a bottomless pit, I love you, but but the man can put it away, and so we go on a run, get back, and you know, have some water, or whatever, he's like, hey, so, uh, man, that banana looks really good, can I have one of those? I'm just going to confess this openly in public, confession is good for the soul? I said no. I said, I said well, I didn't like put an expletive with it. I mean, I said, I said, no, you can't have it. I only have two bananas left and I can't, and I can't go back to the store this week, evidently. And so, no, no, you cannot, you cannot have my, and, and Hope looks at me and she goes, Jason Edward Huddleston. Now, when your wife three names you, you know, you're in trouble, right? Cause you're three naming the kids all the time. Call Edward Huddleston. I mean, you just throw them out there. But when you get three names, I was like looking like, where did my mother come from? Where? I, I heard the call. I'm looking for the shoe is what I'm looking for. That's what, it was always my name followed by a shoe flying through the air. Anyway, uh, it was just my family. I'm sure it wasn't yours. And so, so, so here's the point, man. The point is we're like that, aren't we? Over something stupid. It was a banana. Yeah. Dude, have my banana. I, I'll drink some water. Eat some popcorn or the 50 million other things I have in the house that, you know. Guys, that's just a microchasm of who we are. See, we think that we're really giving. And the truth is that we're not. The truth is we're really hoarding. We're keeping all this great stuff for ourselves. And I challenge you, read the New Testament and hear the spirit of what real giving looks like. Where Christ gave himself up for the church and the people of God gave themselves up for everybody else. And I say to the church today, where are you? I say to the church today, where are those kind of people that don't give a rip about their material possessions anymore, but they just care that people know Jesus and have their basic needs met and cared for, right? Where are you? Where are we? We've got to deal with that. We've got to deal with our excess and we've got to deal with the fact that the gospel is still not reaching the nations because while we sit in our wonderful, comfortable homes with everything we possess, we still haven't given enough money so that the gospel could be translated into unreached people group languages. 
We've got to do something. We've got to learn to allow this gospel to go way down deep and change who we are. And so let me give you some application points. I'm done. I'm past my time. <clears throat> if y'all really want me to be on time, I need like a bigger clock, okay? I'm just saying. Something flashing. Number one, you want to become a real giver, and I pray that you do. You need to choose your audience wisely. Are you giving for the praise of people? Or are you giving for the glory of God? Choose your audience. These are the two choices. You get to choose. I want to add a boy. I want a pat on the back. I want somebody to say, good job. Or, I want God to say, well done. Do you long to hear somebody else say, well done? Or do you long to stand before your Creator and say, God, I took what you gave me and I gave everything that I had. I talked to men yesterday about their, their wives and their children. And I just, I just kind of let them have it in love. Come to men's breakfast and you can have it in love. Uh, and and I, just, I, just, I just said to him, listen, I don't know about you, but here's the deal. Because we're terrible givers as husbands, we always want praise for everything that we do. We, 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 we mop the floor or clean the house or do a load of laundry and we're just dying. Like they walk through the door and like we can't even hold it in. It's like Christmas morning. Mm, did you notice everything that I did? Right? It's just you can't wait to tell them all that you did. We've got to have their praise. We've got to feel better about ourselves. And, and then I come to this passage and I think, whoa, wait a second. God, do I want all of my reward for my marriage simply to be here on earth? Do I want all of my reward for my parenting to see, simply be here on earth? Or God, is my real audience you? Am I going to be the husband that I'm called to be because you are the God that you say that you are? Because you're faithful and true and you provide the power and the grace for me to do this? Right? It's for His glory, so choose your audience. Number two, think ahead. You've got to be farsighted. You've got to be. I know this is, how many people this is a struggle for you? You're not, you're not a visionary person. Anybody? How many people you're not visionary? You are practical today. Alan and Savannah are the only two. Come on now. This is church. It's audience. We're going to try it again. In a second, if you don't raise your hands, I'm going to make you stand up. Welcome to First Baptist. Okay. All right. How many of you are not visionary people? You're just, you're kind of, you're kind of practical today. Raise your hand. Practical today. All right. So the rest of you are all visionary long-term people. Hallelujah. Okay. That's going to be great when we talk about church stuff later. Uh, woohoo. Listen, for some people, this is hard. It's hard for us. We, we are, here's a big word for you. Maybe you already know. We're myopic. It means we only see what's right in front of us. Okay? We, we get so focused on the luxuries of life and the things that we have here that we forget that there is a greater, bigger kingdom of God thing going on, right? And so what we have to do is think ahead. You may have to think all the way to eternity. And you think, Jesus, when I see you, I want reward. I met some guy and he said, well, isn't that wrong to be living for the reward of God? I said, no, it's kind of the point. It's not wrong. Like you went to elementary school. Anybody remember elementary? Listen, I didn't care about the ABCs. I didn't care about the one, two, threes. I didn't care about math or science or any of that other junk. You know why I did that stuff? Gold stars. That's why I did it. You remember the chart and you got the gold star when you did this and that? I, it was all for, and I'm, a, I, listen, I'm a pretty intelligible guy because of gold stars. That's what made me want to learn how to read. It was gold stars. And I'm telling you, God says, listen, there is great reward for you. But I'm telling you, don't waste your life. Invest it wisely. 
invested in the kingdom of God. Guys, you will never regret, you will never regret investing in the kingdom of God. I promise you that. Number three, invest generously. Invest generously. Here's the key to generosity, ready? It's not about what you gave yesterday. If you think about what you've already given, you won't be generous. If you only think about how many bananas you have left, you're not going to be generous, right? You're not going to be. I'm, I'm being honest with you. If you're thinking about what you've already done, you're not going to be generous. Generous giving, real giving is not about what you did yesterday. It's not even about what you've done with your life up to this point. Real giving is about what you do with your life today. About what you do with your life tomorrow. You've got to turn the page. Forget the good and the bad. You've got to start new every single day. And finally, number four, you've got to ditch the diary. All right. Now listen, I don't mean like ladies or, or men, if you write in your diary, dear diary, if that's you, that's great. Uh, some people like to keep a journal. I, I used to be a huge journaler. I'd write and it was my prayers to God. I'm not talking about that. What am I talking? I'm talking about your spiritual records of goodness, right? You've got to ditch them. You cannot keep record of the people that you've been nice to in life. You cannot keep record of how many people that you've served. You cannot keep record of, of how much money that you, you've given. You cannot keep, keep record of, of, of how many times that you've been obedient. You just can't. It's not about what you did yesterday. It's about what you're going to do today. You've got to ditch the diary. It means that the left hand can't know what the right hand is doing means that you focus on the Father, you think about Him, and you don't worry about the rest, all right? Would you guys pray with me this morning?